Support for I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere comes from MX Publishing, with the largest catalog of new Sherlock Holmes books in the world. New novels, biographies, graphic novels, and short story collections about Sherlock Holmes. Find them at mxpublishing.com. And by the Wessex Press, the premier publisher of books about Sherlock Holmes and his world. Find them online at wessexpress.com. And from listeners like you, who support us through Patreon. Bonus material, thank you gifts, and more await at patreon.com slash I Hear of Sherlock. I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, episode 236, The Legion of Zoom. I hear of Sherlock everywhere since you became astrologer. In a world where it's always 1895, comes I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, a podcast for devotees of Mr. Sherlock Holmes, the world's first unofficial consulting detective. I've heard of you before. You're Holmes the meddler, Holmes the busybody, Holmes the Scotland Yard jacket office. <laughs> the game's afoot as we discuss goings-on in the world of Sherlock Holmes enthusiasts, the bigger shooter regulars, and popular culture related to the great detective. As we go to press, sensational developments have been reported. So join your hosts, Scott Monty and Burke Walder, as they talk about what's new in the world of Sherlock Holmes. You couldn't have come at a better time! Well, hello there, once again. Welcome to I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the first podcast for Sherlock Holmes devotees where it's always 1895. I'm Scott Monty. I'm Bert Wolder. And Bert, are you ready to have a show for our legion of fans? I'm virtually ready, yes. (laughs) Virtually ready. Well, uh, I'm going to zoom in on that comment and assume that you are ready virtually and virtually ready. Yes. Excellent. Absolutely. Well, uh, we will be getting to an interview with three officers from one of the newest Sherlockian Scion societies, uh, the Legion of Zoom, right after uh, this quick housekeeping note in which we tell you that the show notes for this episode are available at ihose.co slash ihose236, all lowercase. That'll take you directly to the IHearOfSherlock.com website where you can browse around and sign up for email updates and anything else that tickles your fancy there. Of course, we are I Hear of Sherlock on all of the social networks, the main ones at least. And if you wouldn't be averse to this, we would really like your help in sharing I Hear of Sherlock everywhere. Is there a Sherlockian in your life? who has yet to discover the wonders of Sherlockian audio content? Is there a non-Sherlockian in your life whom you look at and say, you know, the stuff I do really isn't that crazy. You should listen to these two guys and, oh wait, I've gone too far, haven't I? Well, the point here is we would love your word of mouth to help spread the word about I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. And of course, if you join us as a patron, which you can do either from the link in the show notes or from our website or going directly to patreon.com slash I Hear of Sherlock, that will allow you to support the show monetarily. It will allow you to become 
part of a community of people who are growing there on Patreon who get access to, well, outtakes, to other content that is specific to you as a supporter. And, of course, you get a thank you gift at various levels of donation. So we would appreciate your support on Patreon. We have some other news, too, that if you do support us on PayPal rather than Patreon, we are trying to steer people toward Patreon because of the the system that allows us to get those thank you gifts out a little easier. Um, Our PayPal supporters now have access to the bonus content as well. And if you are a PayPal supporter, you should have received an email from us on exactly how that is rolling out. So uh, check that out in your inbox. Well, this is when it's time to, well, normally we, what we would do is we would give you the biographies of each of our guests. And in this case, we're going to ask each one of them to introduce themselves because, well, they're too numerous. They are too legion for us to come up with on our own. So let's get right to it, shall we? We are happy to be joined by three officers of the Legion of Zoom. Now, what is the Legion of Zoom? Well, we'll find out about that in the context of our discussion with them. But just to make things fair, I'm going to let each one of them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about their Sherlockian background. Edith, why don't you begin? Uh, sure. I'm I'm Edith Poundin. I'm a Sherlockian in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Um, we, uh, my local scion is the Bimetallic Question, which is the scion of the Bootmakers of Toronto, rather than the BSI. Um, I'm not sure I have any Sherlockian bona fides. I know that that's what you're waiting for me to uh, to talk about. I don't have anything published in this realm. Uh, I've done a few presentations at the Crew of the Bark Lone Star, of uh, which I'm also a member. <laughs> many other uh, many other scions, um, but I am doing some Sherlockian writing, which hopefully you'll all hear about eventually once it's done. Uh, and I have just sort of a deep interest in Sherlock Holmes and Arthur Conan Doyle in general. Well, that's just fine. I think that's you, you are qualified. You've qualified to be here, qualified to uh, to talk with uh, anybody really about Sherlock Holmes. That's that's all it takes. Rich, why don't you go I'm next? A, okay, I'm Rich Krishunas uh, from Northville, Michigan. Grew up in Detroit. Uh, I was a uh, Wayne County prosecutor for 28 years, and then did defense work, and I've taught at uh, the University of Detroit Mercy School of Law. Uh, I'm a member of the Ripston Pippins and the Amateur Mendicant Society of Detroit and the Greek Interpreters of East Lansing and uh, many other uh, uh, scions, including the crew of the Bark Lone Star. Uh, I I got into Sherlock Holmes uh, when I was a kid and watch the movies of Basil Rathbone and uh, uh, kind of got away from it for a while. And then with the pandemic, I've gone uh, full steam ahead, uh, reading, writing, and attending meetings via Zoom. And I, I think the one of the best things that I ever listened to was I hear of Sherlock everywhere. Oh, please. I've, I've listened to over 150 episodes, and I've learned so much from that. I, you know, I, I was telling Bert that earlier before we started, but it's true. 
Well, we're grateful to have you here, Rich. And personally, I'm grateful to have you in my own backyard here in Michigan. I think you've you've covered all the ground in uh, Michigan science societies, if I'm not mistaken. Although there was one, there was one. Maybe a mixture in Ann Arbor, but they haven't met. They haven't met, and there was one up in the north woods of of Michigan, somewhere up in the UP, somewhere. Right. I I, I can't remember the name right now, but I don't. McMurdo's camp. Yes, yes. That's the one. They, yeah, they're, they're hidden away up there. So, well, grateful that you're here, and uh, we'll, we'll learn more about uh, everything that conspired to bring the Legion of Zoom together. And finally, we have why I think it's a repeat guest, Steve Mason. Yes, it is. Uh, and thank you very much for inviting us. Um, I think it's neat that we have three different nationalities represented here an American, a Canadian and a Texan. So, um, but yeah, um, I am the leader of the crew, of the Bark Lone Star, which is the uh, DFW or Dallas Fort Worth society. And I'm also the communications chair for the beacon society, which we've talked about in the past, Scott and Bert, that's the national nonprofit to try to educate kids on Sherlock Holmes. And I am now one of the officers of the, um, Zoom Legion of Zoom. So, and I was very honored last year to be part of the uh, virtual class that was received our investors in the Baker Street Irregulars. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, folks, if you would like to listen to the Beacon Society episode that Steve did with us, it was the final episode of season 13, episode 183. Uh, an interview with Steve and Denny Dobry. We'll have a link to that in the show notes, as well as to some of these other science societies that our guests have mentioned. So why don't we why don't we get to the the humble beginnings of the Legion of Zoom? Now, for those who are not familiar with the name Legion of Zoom, this is a play on words from. Uh, fans of the Super Friends back in the 1978 season of Challenge of the Super Friends on Saturday morning cartoons, courtesy of ABC Television and Hanna Barbera. There was the Legion of Doom, which consisted of 13 supervillains headed up, of course, by Lex Luthor. So it's only naturally uh, that that we should find ourselves in the realm of virtual meetings in the pandemic, all using Zoom or other similar video technologies. But how on earth did a Sherlockian group come to have the appellation Legion of Zoom? Well, I guess I'll start. And um, obviously, since the pandemic has begun, Many, many Sherlockian societies have gone to using a virtual way of meeting instead of obviously being able to meet live. And several of them provided the information either on Facebook or some other social media that if you wanted to join them. And so three of us, mainly Rich and Greg and I, just started going to over and over and over to these different meetings. And it just we just got to the point that we would see each other five times a week or maybe even three times a day or, you know, so uh, just over and over again. And finally, Greg went one meeting said, I see you guys all the time. You are the Legion of Zoom referring to to Rich and I. Well, so 
I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here uh, based on that schedule. It sounds like the two of you must be retired. Um, I'm partially retired. I, I still work part-time for the federal government. I work four hours a week on Wednesdays, 830 <laughs> to 1230. There you, wow. I love that schedule. So it, it frees you up to do, well, things that you love. And obviously all, everyone here is a Sherlockian. Um, talk to me a little bit. Well, Rich, why, why don't we start with you about, your Sherlockian activities before the pandemic. I mean, obviously, uh, we're we're hampered by uh, you know where we can feasibly get the travel and whatnot. But what what was your outlook on the world of Sherlock Holmes groups pre pandemic? Well, I found uh, after I retired uh, from my job, I, w- I went online and I found the Amateur Mendicant Society was still. In existence, and I had attended an amateur mendicant society meeting. I think in the in the seventies or eighties, uh, and I thought, "Wow, they, these uh, it's a nice group of people." And then I was too busy with work, and so that I stopped going. And and I saw that they uh, were still in existence. And maybe like three four years ago, I started attending their meetings. And I attended a meeting, and it was a dinner. And I didn't know anybody there. And uh, uh, Regina. Um, Regina Stinson. Regina Stinson was at a table. And so she said, come sit with us. And so I sat with her and she told me about her uh, organization, the uh, Ribston Pippins. And I said, oh, you know, I'll come to that as well. And then I had such a good time at those two meetings, uh, listening to all of the presentations um, and the quizzes, and uh, I won a quiz. And so I said, oh, I've got to go to more of these. So I found that they had one in East Lansing, and I drove out there. That's about 70, 70 minutes. Uh, and it was just, uh, there were you know a lot of people, very knowledgeable, who had been reading Sherlock Holmes for a long time. And I have an addictive personality, so I just continued to read. And then there was the Fortescue Scholarship that the crew of the Bark Lone Star, uh, or I think it's the Beacon Society, runs that. And so I started doing all of the quizzes uh, for the Fortescue Scholarship, and and I I passed all of those. And then uh, there was the Arcadia Mixture in Ann Arbor, so there was another one to go to. And then uh, all of a sudden... You know, uh, the pandemic hit. And so there was no opportunity. I, I Actually, I'd, I'd gone to Dayton for a conference and I was scheduled to go to St. Louis for the parallel case. And I was going to go to another conference uh, in New York. And then the pandemic hit. So I was unable to continue to go. And so Zoom was the next best thing. And Steve and I would exchange uh, links to the different uh, meetings that people started having on Zoom. And, you know, I think, you know, Steve uh, set the record. I'm sure he's probably attended over 400 Zoom meetings, uh, probably about 45 different uh, Zoom uh, societies, Sherlockian societies. Well, if we were giving out Guinness World Records for Sherlockian achievements, that would certainly be up there, no doubt. Well, Rich, what you've described in terms of attending a, a variety of these uh, gatherings 
uh, both events as well as societies, uh, groups, everything has a, a, a different feel. Every group, every event is run a little bit differently. And we talked about uh, about getting involved in Sherlockian clubs and societies back in episode 110. So if anyone is interested in kind of uh, boning up on what it means to be part of a Sherlock Holmes society, this this would absolutely, I think, be considered part two of that episode because we're talking about a, di- a very different way of meeting now. So, uh, Edith, up in Canada where you've got uh, the bimetallic question there in, in Montreal, and you've got the bootmakers of Toronto. Those are two pretty significant groups. Are there other uh, kind of branches? Are there other small groups that meet? And, and how often do those larger groups get together? That's a great question. There aren't too many that are represented online, as far as I know. Uh, the Stormy Petrels of BC meet regularly online. At least they have till till now. I'm not sure how much more they will do online. Um, and there's the Cespedlians of London, Ontario. Um, can you guys think of any other Canadian ones that are active? I think the Cespedlians meet every month. I think the Cespedlians are going to continue meeting via Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, and we are as well for the for the foreseeable future, I think, yeah. So so in some ways, uh, the Legion of Zoom has really broadened uh, Canadians' uh, uh, pathways to meet with other Sherlockians. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. Um, it's, it's a more international flavor than it used to have, I guess. Um, uh, I really miss the, the very, very brief window where we could go to the Sherlock's uh, Home Society of London meetings because they're not online and haven't been for quite a while, but that was nice for a bit. Um, and as well with the Paris Society, who's not no longer online. Um, but I guess Canada and the U.S. are pretty much the main internet-based um, societies that are that are meeting now still. I know that the Cispudlian uh, members wanted to come to the Detroit meetings. Uh, the amateur mendicant society, and then you, know, you can't go over the border right now. So, uh, but they plan to come in the future. And I wanted to go to London, and then I couldn't get in for the same reason. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll try and keep those truckers away from uh, the bridge if we can. <laughs> so, uh, so Edith, uh, as you uh, discovered uh, more of the um, American meetings, uh, is there anything that surprised you along the way? Um, I think probably what surprised me most was my interest in <laughs> in joining these meetings because I was uh, sort of a Sherlockian loner for a really long time. Um, and I only just joined the biometallic question shortly before the pandemic. So I was sort of new to the whole um, social aspect of Sherlockian studies uh, when the pandemic hit. And I think that's probably why I took to the to the um, the zoom meetings sort of more than many in in my own group here. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, just the few, there were a couple of really big events. The Scintillation of Science was online and the Left Coast um, Conference was online. Um, and I think that sort of drew me in. And there was a lot of sharing of links at that point where, where people were like, oh, come to our society, come to our society. And I took up most of those offers. So <laughs> I think we all sort of ran into each other a lot in those early days, which was really nice. And sort of bonded us together a little bit. 
So, Steve, I've, I've got a, a couple of questions about the organization. But before we get there, what, what does the future of this look like uh, post-pandemic? Do you have any sense of the trends? Because I would think that, you know, when it's possible, I would think it would be in everybody's interests to have sort of a hybrid approach. I mean, not every... Not every meeting needs to be in person. You know, you could meet more frequently if you had a couple of online meetings. It's possible to have elements of an in-person meeting that's also shared with people outside the room. Because, you know, as Edith said, one of the nice things, one of the few nice things about the pandemic is go to a meeting and you get to see, you know, some of your friends who are in London, some of your friends who are in California. But what what does the future look like to you? Well, let, let me backtrack a little bit and say that before the pandemic and since I you know, am part of the Beacon Society, I would get emails from people right and left that would say, I'm now picked to run our society and I have no idea how to run a society. And so do you have any suggestions? And we would throw out a few and we would say, you know, if you get a chance, go to another society meeting and see how they run things. This has been wonderful in the last two years because you can say, Here's a list of 50 or 60 different societies that are running theirs online. Go on there and see how they run them and get a better idea of of what to do. And, and, you know, Rich was talking about, actually, I'm up to almost 60 different societies I've been to. A lot of them I have really enjoyed because I've been able to see good things that they do and say, you know what, we ought to incorporate that into our meetings. And, of course, there's a few that you say, I know never to do that in our meetings, you know. So, um, and so... While I agree, we're hearing of more and more societies that are trying to go back to live, but what we've also found, and I've sat through, I don't know, 12 or 15 of what you would call a hybrid meeting where they try to do live and Zoom too, I will say most of those aren't working real well technologically, and maybe they'll get better as they do it, but there was still a lot of issues with it, but I, I'm going to speak for my own society, the crew of the Barclone Star. Before the pandemic, we would have 20 to 22 average people at a meeting. On virtual, we're averaging close to 65 to 70. So we have more than tripled the size of our meetings. And we have people from all over the United States and Canada and a couple of people from England and one from France that join us at every meeting. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to, you know, lose those people because they bring a lot to the table. And secondly, we are allowed now to get speakers that we never would have been able to get to Dallas, you know, unless they just happen to be traveling down here like Bert, you did a few years ago or something. But, you know, overwhelmingly, our our presentations were people within our own society. Now we can ask anybody around the world, would you like to talk to our society? And so it's been wonderful over the last two years. And so I will tell you that our society, what we've chosen to do is um, meeting with the officers and talking to people. We're going to continue meeting by Zoom from now on, or at least the foreseeable future. But what we are going to do is have a social dinner for the people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area once every two months or three months just to get together. But the actual meetings we're going to continue to do by Zoom. And and I, I won't be surprised to see some of the other societies decide to do that same thing because I've heard many of them um, say they don't want to lose all the people that they have that have joined their societies through a virtual. Hmm. What, what were some of the things that you, I mean, just speaking generally now, what were some of the, the do's that you picked up or, or a do or two or a, or a don't or two 
from, I mean, I will volunteer one. I've been on, um, you know, some Zoom meetings that, you know, maybe may have gone a little long, let's say. <laughs> I was that was actually going to be my very first thing is that if you put an agenda out that says we're going an hour and a half, do not go two and a half hours because mm. people will get very frustrated about that. Um, and so stick to the agenda. If you're a little bit short, they're OK. Nobody ever conf- you know complains about a meeting ending early. Um, the second thing is if you're running the meeting know where the mute all button is at, at all times um, because it can be very embarrassing to have people say things that they shouldn't have. But I will also say, one, you know, just some simple things. Um, if you're running the meeting, make sure you have at least one co-host that can help you with the administration of the meeting to let people in, to mute people, to spotlight people. It, you know, especially with our group, if you've got 60 or 70 or more, and I know the uh, red circle, they have over a hundred people. That's too much for one person to try to handle themselves with all the stuff going on. Yeah, that was, that was very good. So that uh, very good advice. So when you, um, had to organize the Legion of Zoom, um, you know, tell me a little bit about, um, the mechanics of it. Tell me a little bit about the bylaws. I've read through the bylaws earlier. So as I said, you know, Greg came up with the the slogan, you know, of of Rich and I that looked like we had, you know, were the Legion of Zoom. And so Rich or Edith, it was probably around what, September, October, I came up with the idea that maybe we should come up with this Legion of Zoom. And up front, I will tell you, it was a lark. It was simply kind of a joke and just for the fun of it. But after a while, what we started seeing was a lot of people took it semi-seriously and said, I want to be a member, you know, and and what we recognized was we are honoring those societies that have continued to have meetings through a virtual basis. And we're honoring those people that took the time to go to several different society meetings. And and because I was a believer that without Zoom, I think a lot of societies might have died out during the pandemic if they just couldn't meet at all for two years. So, so, so this is kind of an honor and a tribute to all those societies that have done that. Um, and then I'll, I'll let either Rich, he actually drafted the bylaws, so he can talk about the bylaws. Oh, the lawyer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not the lawyer for the group. I'm the pettifogger. Well, that explains it. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What does a pettifogger do? And 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 w- w- what other officer names are there? Uh, you know, I, I forgot the names. <laughs> well, I'm the lead. I I am the leader, and I'm the. You know, we we originally wanted to say the Zoom whisperer, but somehow it seemed more appropriate to be called the Zoom chatterer. So that's my title as the as the leader of these crazy people. So you're the one who shows up and says. Uh, is this thing on? Is, can, yeah. can you hear me? <laughs> do I look? Do I look kind of blurry on the camera? There you go. Um, <laughs> who's, I'm also who, who, the money banks, which is the treasurer, and we have no dues. So you're you're a pettifogger and money bags. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am the curator, and I am meant to keep records, of which there are none. <laughs> I like how this is all rolling out. This is great. It's, it's an amazing society. It's, you know, it's, um, but, you know, we, um, 
the bylaws, I don't think anybody would have a hard time following all of them. We, we tried to keep them very simple. And quite honestly, we just keep it very simple. If you want to be a member of the Legion of Zoom, you just simply have to send us a list that shows that you've attended 17 different society meetings. And we always have to explain to people that does not mean you can have gone to 17 meetings of Watson's 10 box and count it. You have to attended 17 different societies at least once. Okay. Um, there is, it's an honor system. We do not check up on the people. We do not go back to the leaders of those societies. Say, do you remember this person? It is strictly an honor system, which I know with Sherlockians is a scary thing to allow, but uh, to the most part, I think people have followed that rule fairly, very well. And if you do that, then you get a nice certificate from us that's, you know, uh, suitable for framing or using wherever else you want to. And you get a background that you can put up during Zoom calls, um, which people have really enjoyed the background. Uh, what we did was we created a background of all the villains from the canon, you know, the adaptations either in film or TV, such as Charles Augustus Milverton and Stapleton, but the actors that played them, so such as, you know, William Shatner and other people. And we we designed a background look like they were on a Zoom call themselves <laughs> discussing their their next plot against Sherlock oh, that's Holmes and Watson. Great. I love that. So that's so fun. And you know, in terms of uh, the honor system and Sherlockians, I don't think we really need to to worry too much about that. If you recall the original bylaws of the Baker Street Irregulars, uh, there is some mention in there of letting your conscience be your guide. Uh, so it, there's a long-standing tradition of uh, this kind of tongue-in-cheek approach to bylaws, as well as the the honorability of Sherlockians in general. Right. So that's that's fun. So um, when it when it comes to um, uh, joining, you, you mentioned that people need to demonstrate that they've gone to. 17 different societies zoom meetings why the number 17 <laughs> Edith? 17 steps yeah what's that 17 steps at baker street ah uh, there we go of course that, that, that there was famous... a big debate go ahead there was a big debate between 10 and 15 and 20 or whatever and and it came up with 17 and we all like that sounds good one of one of those canonical numbers. I mean, there there are very few uh, numbers that we can put out. We had two twenty one and eighteen ninety five, and that, that seems inordinate to ask people, well, except for for right. Steve, to ask anybody but Steve to attend that many meetings. So uh, seventeen, the number of steps up to the sitting room, makes a lot of sense because that's you know you're taking seventeen steps to go to these meetings. That's very uh, very much in line. Well, and, and, and I will say, 50, we, there's, there's at least 50 members now that have attended right. at least 17 meetings. Wow. Yeah, we're right at 50 people who have who have sent us the list and have received the certificate. Um, again, we want people to join. You know, we're not we, – we do not want to be an exclusive society. And even though we have said there – a lot of societies are going back. I mean, week before last, Rich and I counted up. I think there were six different meetings in one week that you could go to. You know, towards your 17 and and people can be a little creative about it. And, and I'm not going to say you're trying to cheat the system, but obviously, like if you attend um, the 
you know, let's say the left coast, you know, conference happened again. Well, obviously that is sponsored by a society or the 221 last year uh, and the year before that was sponsored by the Atlanta society or the scintillation of science is sponsored by a society, you know, so there's, and one of the bigger ones was during the VSI weekend, Brad Kiefhofer and Madeline Quinn has held a, what was it, five or six hour event that was sponsored by a couple of societies. So you can count those, you know, because it's considered a society meeting. If we ever reach a point where there, there are fewer than 17 active societies online, Brad Kiefhofer will probably step in and create enough <laughs> opportunities for people to join the Legion of Zoom. <laughs> right. It is strictly for the fun of it. Of course, of course. Uh, it, the the moment we stop having fun doing this stuff, I think it's it's all over. One of the great Sherlockian periodicals is back. The 2021 Sherlock Holmes Review. Edited by Steve Doyle. Art direction by Mark Gagan. With all new contributions from Nicholas Meyer. Robert Doherty, Frank Cho, Anne Margaret Lewis, Steve Hawkinsmith, Les Klinger, Jimmy Aiken, and more. 118 pages about Sherlock Holmes. The illustrators, community, collecting, comics, reviews, film and TV, scholarship, including new artwork, Irene Adler drawn by the inimitable Frank Cho. It looks like a book and reads like a magazine. It's the Sherlock Holmes Review. Get your first edition copy of this essential 2021 Sherlockian annual, the all-new Sherlock Holmes Review, at wessexpress.com. So where do people go to find out about the Legion of Zoom online? Well, since the treasurer has chosen not to charge any sort of fees, um, we are very limited on where we could put a website. But fortunately, the head of the crew of the Bark Lone Star does pay for a website and domain. And so we put a website or page underneath our website. So if they, if they would just simply go to dfw-sherlock.org and down at the bottom of the menu, there is a a link toward the uh, Legion of Zoom and they can go there and they can see all this stuff. And they, they're they welcome to send me an email and I will send them because some people, I will tell you, some people would say, I think I may have gone to 17, but I can't even remember them all. And so we have a list of about 90 different societies that have held Zoom meetings. I'll send them the list. Uh, I did want to post it online just be, you know to make sure that some people were a little worried about that. But I'll email them a list and say, here's the ones that we we believe or are pretty sure have had a virtual meeting. So you can use that as a checklist to see if if you remember going to those 17. Yeah, that's great. We will put a link to that in our show notes, which, again, are available at ihose.co slash ihose236, all lowercase. That'll take you or just look in the show notes section of your uh, your app, wherever you're listening to us. That'll take you directly to uh, the show notes where we have the Legion of Zoom website. And I did want to say, Scott, you know, I'm one of the things that I'm extremely proud of is that even though we only created this thing, you know, five or six months ago, we held a wonderful conference on February 20th. Um, and 
thanks to the work of um, Greg to you know do the registration and get everything set up, but mainly for Edith for getting the speakers and emceeing the event. We had you know three wonderful speakers and one sort of wonderful, and I'll let you decide which one was. Which. I'm, I'm um, that one. <laughs> no, they were they were all wonderful. We were, yeah, um, we had four wonderful speakers: Barbara Roden, Scott Monty, um, Bob Katz, and uh, Ray Betzner, who all brought wonderful presentations. And then we did a radio play that a eighth grader wrote fifty three years ago. My gosh! Like that. How'd you track him um, down? Well, you know, he was sitting. Right where I'm sitting right now, as a matter of fact. Um, and so I think it went fairly well. Uh, but if, if it, you know, and we had 130 people attend the conference, which for a first time thing, that's pretty amazing. But if you, if somebody would like to see the presentations, we have them all posted up on our website so they can see the four presentations and the radio play and the toasts that were done by Rich and Sandy Cozen, who are our poet laureates too. That's another title Rich has. He gets. He didn't know it, but he's the poet laureate, one of them for the society. Well, that, we will have a, a link to uh, those presentations as well. I had forgotten about uh, the online availability of those afterwards, so that's a lot of fun. Um, so, as we as we think about um, the uh, the organization, you know, we, we've got this this February twentieth conference. Are there is there a regular Legion of Zoom feature? You know, I mean, th this is an, an honorific that gets bestowed on people who attend all these other uh, meetings. Is there like a regular Legion of Zoom conference that you're planning now that this first one has been so successful? I I had just suggested that we do a monthly or quarterly one, and I was almost removed from office because of that. And so um, – <laughs> And there was a, there was close to a, either a coup or a mutiny. I don't know which which is a legion of Zoom, which one that would be. But so at this point, we're talking about doing an annual conference. Uh, the next one, Greg has dreams of it being much bigger and and you know longer. much longer. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we have a project that the four of us have been working on that hopefully we will unveil in April that we will be sending to. Legion of Zoom members that they'll get a kick out of. That'll be a weekly thing. Just it's something simple, but I think they'll get a kick out of it. I don't. I don't want to talk. You know, let the cat out of the bag. But it's strictly for Legion of Zoom people. Well, what an incentive for people to get some meetings under their belt. Notch those uh, those belts yes. with with more meetings. Become members of the Legion of Zoom. Right. And since we don't charge dues and we got rid of the hazing rituals, it's it's so much easier to get in than it used to be. Wow. You know, another place to look, uh, Scott, is SherlockianCalendar.com. Uh, that, that website uh, has, you know, regular meetings that people can go to and attend live, but they also list all of the virtual meetings there as well. You know, Rich, that's, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. We often forget about uh, SherlockianCalendar.com. It's something I think Ron Fish had taken up years ago and is still uh, toiling away at this. Um, probably uh, more relevant and more helpful these days than it ever has been. So we'll have a link to the Sherlockian calendar as well. Right. So uh, you 
this was kind of a surprise, a pleasant surprise that the organization uh, shared a while ago, and that is uh, official recognition from the BSI. Steve, do you yes. want to you want to talk about that? Um, yeah, once we decided to create the society and we had drafted the bylaws and come up with the requirements to get in, then obviously the next step was, do we want to be a science society, the BSI? And and the four officers agreed that that would be a, a neat thing to do and give us some credibility. Um, and so we applied to Peter Blau and we received our certi- certificate in the mail signed by Michael Keane. And we are extremely proud of that, that we are one of the science societies. It's absolutely fascinating that We've got here we have a literary society dedicated to keeping green the memory of a Victorian detective now acknowledging the existence of a society that is enabled by 21st century technology. Yes. Comes full circle. And, you know, the the interesting thing, too, is when you think about it, Sherlockians uh, typically are not the most technologically advanced people. We, we tend to to kind of drag our feet on most of these things. Uh, this is one of the reasons we put together a podcast in 2007. Even though it was cutting-edge technology then, we knew that the long tail was there and that people would eventually catch up with us. We know people like Sherlock Holmes on radio. We know people like talk radio. So we decided to combine the two. And what you've done here is simply tap into the cultural zeitgeist, the willingness and ability of people to use video technology to connect with each other. If we tried to do this on our own, if we tried to force it uh, before the pandemic, even though the technology was there, what do you think the reaction would have been like? Not well, because I do think the majority of people do enjoy getting together and meeting in person. And so I, without the pandemic, I don't know that this would have flown. But, but I will also say, and then I'll let Edith speak too. One of the things that I've had an issue with for years and years and years, and I never could figure out a way to fix this. And I know Bert, you and Scott have seen this for years too, that you would go to a meeting, whether it was our own meeting or, you know, I got to go to a few of the Red Circle and a few of the Watson 10 Box, and I would see somebody give a, an outstanding presentation. And that was the end of it. Nobody else ever got to see it. And it just kind of died in obscurity after those whatever 30 or 40 people at a society saw it. And so the Legion is – or not the Legion, but Zoom in general has given a lot bigger chance for people to see presentations from around the country and around the world that they would never do. I still think there is a, a opportunity to try to capture, just like we did with the presentations for our conference, and put them somewhere so that if it is somebody that doesn't have a society close to them that they can't just go to, or their society's not active, or all they ever see is the same four people, I think there's an opportunity to post presentations online somewhere that anybody could see them and get a chance to, to share in our world. You know, that's a fascinating observation, Steve, because essentially what we've got the makings of is uh, like a TED Talk site for Sherlockians. Yeah. Make that happen, won't you? Mm, I'd have to talk to the other officers. Edith, have you got any opinions on this? <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> not on that 
topic particularly. Um, I do feel like I should that we should mention um, since we're talking about virtual societies, five miles from anywhere, which is a virtual only society. Um, but I, I think that they started during during the pandemic as well. Who was that again, Edith? That's um, Derek Belanger's group, Five Miles from Anywhere. Five Miles from Anywhere. I love that. Yeah. 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 They meet once a month. And there's another group, obviously, now, the John Watson Society, that I think is pretty much going to, because they're spread out nationally. So I think they will meet virtually from now on. And we meet uh, pretty much every Saturday to watch movies at four o'clock Eastern at uh, Theater Goers uh, Homeward Bound which is run by Monica Schmidt and Greg Ruby. Right. Yeah, and we usually see the notifications for that in the Facebook group called The Strangers Room. And if if you're not yet a member of The Strangers Room, we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, All it requires you to do is to answer a couple of very simple questions about Sherlock Holmes just to ensure you're not a bot, um, and we will let you in. I, you know, I, the way that I look at it, Scott, is uh, – and I know I may step on some toes with this. This is a hobby for us, and while it's a passion for a lot of people, it still boils down to it's a hobby, and it's to have fun and to get with other people that have the same interest and, and have fun. For example, I will say one one of the things that's going on right now that I just, I just get a kick out of, and I know, Scott, you're involved with it, is – Greg Ruby setting up the Holmes hysteria on Facebook of basically doing a March Madness of Sherlock Holmes. Um, I'm getting a kick out of that, and and so I, I I hope more people do that. And again, if they do it virtually, then more people around the country and internationally can see it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the creativity of Sherlockians knows no bounds, and. You know, we're we're unleashing it on the world in various formats. Uh, you know, we, we've got the strangers room there where you mentioned Greg in the Holmes hysteria, which is hysterical and fun. Uh, we started a Twitter community. I think we mentioned that on uh, the last episode. Uh, again, it's, it's exclusive for uh, people who want to sign up via Twitter. Uh, so you can just play in the community and not, you know, have to worry about all of the other stuff that happens on Twitter. Um, and, and really, that's that's what the world of Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes enthusiasts is all about. It's about like-minded people finding each other, uh, like-minded people exploring with great fun uh, this little hobby of ours. I mean, it's been going on since the 1930s or possibly before in an unorganized fashion. Uh, and we just continue to iterate as uh, the world changes around us. Well, Steve, Rich, Edith, thank you so much for joining us here on I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere and discussing with us the Legion of Zoom. Thank you. It was an honor. It's one of the unlooked for advantages if there are any advantages of the pandemic that we've been able to have something like the legion of zoom and employ this technology to get more voices more people more engagement a larger community 
involved in this. And um, I think Steve and Rich um, and the gang at, you know, at the Legion have an important role to play to um, perpetuate that. Uh, you know, I think that, that um, we need to make that, uh, I think, a permanent part of uh, this hobby around the world, even if it's not exclusive, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be a way to sustain this kind of connectivity and advantage. Yeah. I mean, this this is kind of uh, along the lines of what you and I have been doing for so many years. It's a way to reach more people, to welcome more people into the fold, uh, to be creative about it, to use technology that's available to us. Uh, You know, we didn't start this podcast because of a pandemic, um, but uh, the the Legion of Zoom, even though it was pandemic influenced, doesn't mean it needs to be pandemic sustained. Mm-hmm. That is, we can we can continue to do this uh, long after uh, restrictions have been lifted, long after uh, people are back to doing things the old way or as near to the old way as they can. And it's it's a way to keep people connected and and to connect people that never thought they could be connected with us before. So, and you know, the one thing I'm kicking myself now, Bert, I meant to ask uh, Steve and Rich and Edith while we had them, how they refer to each other, how members refer to each other. Are they, are they Zoomies? Are they Legionnaires? I, you know, if one is hooked on the Legion of Zoom, does that mean one has come down with Legionnaires disease? I don't know. I like that. I th- I have a suspicion there's a way to solve this that will involve a lapel pin. We need to put, <laughs> we need to put these things together. That's a good that's a good idea. I like that. And you know, if if uh, the Legion of Zoom really does balloon beyond its fifty inaugural members or its fifty initial members that we have right now, um, it may eventually, uh, you know, if, if if we continue down the route of Legionnaires' disease, it may become viral. So we'll have to see. (laughs) MX Publishing recently launched the MX Audio Collection, an app with a series of interviews and other audio content, beginning with Lee Child talking about Reacher and Sherlock. There are many more interviews lined up for 2022, including Jeffrey Hatcher, screenwriter for Mr. Holmes, Otto Penzler, the founder of The Mysterious Bookshop and Mysterious Press. Authors like Bonnie McBird and Nicholas Meyer. And yours truly, Scott Monty and Bert Walder from I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. Every month, MX will be adding in at least four new Sherlock Holmes stories and some more theater performances. There'll be more from the deductionist Ben Cardall, too. You can read more about the app and sign up for the MX Audio Collection at ihose.co slash mxaudio. That's all lowercase, ihose.co slash mxaudio. There's a monthly subscription option and an annual subscription option with a significant discount. And iHose listeners get an additional 25% off of any subscription you choose just by using the code iHose when checking out. A percentage of the proceeds of the app go to Undershaw, the school for children with learning disabilities. It was the former home of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who, of course, wrote many of the Sherlock Holmes stories while he lived there. So go to ihose.co slash mxaudio and use the code ihose today 
for the MX Audio Collection. Hey, 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 everyone knows the, the, the sound there, that theme song. That means it is time for everyone's favorite quiz show for Sherlockians. That's right. It is Canonical Couplet, where we give you two lines of poetry, and you are expected to come up with the name of the Sherlock Holmes story that we were referring to. Now, if you were around here in episode 235, you'll recall that we gave you this clue. A morning dash to Charing Cross. There's winter in the air. This inspector's seven cases are in Watson's notes somewhere. Bert, <laughs> do you know which story we are referring to in this case? Oh, yes. This is one of the cases that seem to involve the supernatural but turn out to be just rooted um, in the uh, plain experience of real life. It's the story of the scout troop that was lost in southeast England. It's the story that Watson called the Sussex Campfire. Holy moly. Wow. Well, just when I thought it couldn't get any, <laughs> any worse. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We, we weren't looking for the Sussex campfi campfire. And we're going to turn to our old standby, Eric Deckers, who has written in to say, I think I have it. It took a lot of extra reading and research deep into Bert's personal files to find the answer. It's Bert's Mike Tyson fan fiction short story where the champ tried to put a stop to King Midas's reign of terror. It's the adventure of the golden punch face, except that doesn't strike me as particularly canonical. So I think it may be the adventure of the golden pince-nez. Ah, uh, yes, Eric. Um, well, you know what? We're, we're going to have to call foul on you here. Uh, I think this is the one time Eric actually didn't get it right in his final guess. My goodness. So a morning dash to Charing Cross. There's winter in the air. The inspector's seven cases are in Watson's notes somewhere. The answer was, of course, the Abbey Grange. The Abbey Grange. That was a, that was a stumper for, uh, for Eric and a few other people, uh, by the way. So uh, let's delve into our... Uh, our winners, uh, we think we've got them all lined up here, and I'm going to bring out uh, the big prize wheel and give it a spin. And it's landing on number 29, number 29, and that means our winner is Rosie Waper. Rosie, congratulations. It's nice to see your name here. And we will be getting you, well, we'll be getting in touch with you so you can select which of David McGregor's books you would like to uh, choose from as the prize. And that means it's time for this episode's canonical couplet. Bert, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm All ready. right. Well, here we go. With masses of material, there's always something new. 
this case is reconstructed from the lion's point of view. If you know that an answer to this episode's canonical couplet, put it in an email addressed to comment that I hear of Sherlock.com with canonical couplet in the subject line. If you are among all of the correct answers and we choose your name at random, you'll win. All right, and good luck with that. We will have a gift from the IHO's vaults for you. We have lots of wonderful things to choose from. So it's going to be one of those mystery gifts which seems uh, incredibly on brand for a podcast about Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Well, Bert, I can't believe we've we've done it again. Incredible, Waldo. Yes. I know. Well, of course, if you haven't begun listening to our shorter show, Trifles, that airs every Wednesday where we discuss some of the minutia in the Sherlock Holmes stories. Make sure you check it out at SherlockHolmesPodcast.com. And, of course, if you wish to get in touch with us, if you want to leave us a message of any sort, you can fire up that email at comment that I hear of Sherlock.com, or you can even give us a phone call. Remember the phone? Why, that still works. Our number is 5-1895-221-B-5. I love that. 5-1895-221-B-5. And just leave us a voicemail there. And uh, if we're impressed enough with your effort, well, maybe we'll put your message on the air. How about that? Well, do you have anything more to say for yourself, Bert? Absolutely nothing. I've uh, I've called upon all my character witnesses, and believe me, they're just a bunch of characters. Well, so I've got no more testimony to introduce. I have to throw myself on the mercy of the court. <laughs> Thankfully, well, then this is the very merciful Scott Monty, and this is the mercenary Bert Wilder, and together we say the, the games. games. A foot. <laughs> the, the game's afoot. You know, I'm afraid that in the pleasure of this conversation, I'm neglecting business of importance, which awaits me elsewhere. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to join us again for the next episode of I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the first podcast dedicated to Sherlock Holmes. Goodbye, and good luck, and believe me to be, my dear fellow, very sincerely yours, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes.